This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. The Californian Century, from Hollywood to Silicon Valley. How California changed the world. Based on a true story. Fade in. Los Angeles, day. October 1911. Exterior. Start the picture with street sign Edendale Boulevard stenciled on a curbstone. In the gutter lie scraps of garbage, spent matches, and cigarette butts. Now the camera leaves the sign and moves east, the gray asphalt of the street filling the screen. As speed accelerates, telegraph poles flash by. Over the scene, we now hear sirens. Police squad cars hurtle toward the camera and pull up sharply outside a mission-style building. Close on sign, Selig Studios. Cut to crane shot from high in the lighting gantry of the film studio. Panicked actors and crew form a tight circle around a long, dark object on the floor. Police swarm into the studio, pushing aside actors and crew. Slow zoom towards object. It's a body, the body of a man. A large pool of blood slowly seeps out from under the torso. On the man's chest, two large gunshot wounds. Slow dissolve. That's where we begin, where it all began, well, more or less. The stiff on the studio floor was Francis Boggs, the first man to direct a whole picture in California. Poor Francis. He was 41. They actually popped him in his office. But I thought the studio floor felt so much more dramatic. Oh, yeah, you're probably wondering who I am. Well, you can call me the writer. I've seen it all. I've met them all. Hell, I've gotten smashed with them all. All the hits, all the misses, the high lifes, the low lifes. And I'm going to tell you a story. A story about the people who came west. The people who made California. A place where if you make it, you really make it. You have the world eating out of your hand, hanging on your every word. You're invincible in a place where, if you fail, there's a long, long way to fall. Your life's over before it even started. Anyway, back to Boggs. Like so many others then, now he'd come west with a dream, a dream of the future, a golden dream by the sea. They all came here to escape, escape the past, escape the east, escape all that old money, to make new money. Above all, Boggs was here to escape Edison. Edison had invented the movies, and now that ruthless East Coast son of a bitch wanted his cut, a big cut. Boggs knew the West Coast was beyond the reach of Edison's attorneys, lawless, a place where the movie industry could start over. And in L.A., Boggs glimpsed the future. On the orders of his studio boss, he pitched up with a hand-cranked camera and a bunch of actors, and they filmed the picture right there. The movie, The Count of Monte Cristo. There was no need for scenery, of course. L.A. already had the scenery. 
The majestic cliffs of Laguna Beach would stand in nicely for the French island prison where the Count was banged up. No one would ever know. And oh, the light. The light was so perfect, so perfect, so exhilarating. Who couldn't reinvent themselves here? Cut to a woman standing by Lake Hollywood high above Los Angeles. California is a place of schismatics, people who break away from the orthodoxies, people who break away from the canons to come and create their own. The woman is a columnist for the L.A. Times. Her name, Pat Morrison. Look at this place. This place was CG before there was CG. You can drive 20 minutes from where we are now, any place, and you can have landscapes that look like the deserts of northern Africa. You can have hills and mountains that look like Switzerland. People came out here and they said, look, we can make this landscape look like anything. The plastic California that can conform to anybody's idea and anybody's vision and anybody's dream. L.A. could be wherever you wanted it to be. One huge, bright, blank canvas of opportunity where the landscape could be fashioned, reshaped, exploited, and turned into gold. There were fortunes to be made, for sure, vast fortunes. You just had to come and grab it. How fitting that the very first picture produced in California, shot by our dead pal Francis Boggs, should be a film about a man who finds buried treasure, unimaginable riches, and transforms himself from plain old Edmund into the Count of Monte Cristo, the toast of the town. California is a place where, it's been said, the legends came first. The dream of something truly remarkable lived in the minds of explorers long before they ever set foot on Californian soil. Gold was discovered for real in 1848, and its promise of transformation of ordinary humdrum life, of overnight riches, drew prospectors from every place on Earth. Among them, the great-grandfather of this man, the longest-serving governor of California, Jerry Brown. He, uh, as a young man, left Germany, got on a sailing ship called Perseverance in 1849 and made it across the ocean and ultimately across America in a covered wagon, not speaking any English. That took a, a courage, an openness that I think we're sorely in need of today. California was brought into the United States in 1850 after Mexico lost the Mexican-American War. Mexico had been ruling California for 30 years. The indigenous population declined by as much as 80% over the course of the 19th century. Under American rule, there was slavery, rape, and massacre. Play San Francisco! <laughs> The gold rush transformed San Francisco into a great metropolis where, it's been said, the lights all went on at once. A place filled with possibility. Oh boy. Cut to present day San Francisco, Mission Dolores Park. A man sits on a bench overlooking the city, close by the original site of Spanish settlement. The man is Mark Stein of San Francisco State University. Really early in San Francisco's history, in the 1850s, 1860s, 1870s, prostitution was widespread, sexual immorality was both practiced and condemned. There was a very high ratio of men to women, as was characteristic also of many Western American cities during that period. And that high male-to-female sex ratio opened up all sorts of possibilities for non-normative genders and non-normative sexualities. Mining know-how gave birth to scientific institutions, the roots of California's talent for technology, 
and all that wealth gave rise to new, lucrative empires of industry, shipping companies, and banks. In three years, the population of San Francisco went from 800 to 30,000, and its lights blazed incandescent until 1906. Heading west was, is, always will be, a gamble. Fade in. Interior music hall, wide shot. A young woman in a long white sequin dress sings animatedly on the stage in front of a packed audience. The performer brings her song to a climax, raising her arms. The delighted crowd erupts in sustained applause. As the applause continues, close on chandelier, it starts to shake. Cracks appear in the ceiling. Close on performer, fear spreading across her face. The master of ceremonies ushers her off stage. The shaking grows in intensity. Panic builds among the crowd. People rush towards the doors. The chandelier crashes to the floor, dissolved. The tectonic plates had shifted, erasing San Francisco's past, killing hundreds, maybe thousands. While the city rebuilt, the dream migrated south. The real estate agents wrote the script. L.A. had the loveliest skies, the mildest winters. The movie spread the message to every town in America. Palm trees, exotic Spanish buildings, eucalyptus, and verbena awaited. Cut to a woman standing in Griffith Park in Los Angeles. The woman is Emily Carmen of Chapman University. Since its inception, this park has been a favorite shooting space for filmmakers. The, the vegetation, the mountains, the wide open spaces give a lot of options to filmmakers, and especially in the silent era. Unlike the old world, the West was wide open for men and women. Compared to the contemporary industry today, where there's a lack of female directors in the silent era, there was a preponderance of women working behind the camera. Perhaps one of the most famous ones would be Lois Weber, who was Universal Studios' highest-paid filmmaker, period, male or female, by the end of the teens. And this is before Wall Street got interested in Hollywood. So because this was a cottage industry, there were no standards by which to judge. But what of our dead pal Boggs? the man who made the first full movie in California, dead at the age of 41. I guess you could say things didn't work out too well for poor old Francis. Time to write the scene where I reveal who done it. Fade in, interior, film studio. A film crew is milling around. Director Francis Boggs is talking with his leading actors, pointing to marks and indicating where the camera will be. Pull back. A disheveled Japanese man, Minematsu, the studio gardener, appears on set, walking intently towards Boggs. Close on, his tense, crazed face. He looks at no one. Pull back, Minematsu reaches for his coat pocket. He draws a revolver. Close on, Boggs, who notices Minematsu and realizes something is wrong. Pull back. Minematsu fires twice at Boggs. So why did Minimatsu pop bogs? Some blame it on booze, erratic behavior, Minimatsu, the madman. But there are hints of a much darker explanation. Bogs, a nasty racist. Minimatsu couldn't take it anymore. But nobody really knows. For Bogs became little more than a footnote. Minimatsu was left to rot in jail, and the film company Bogs worked for never really recovered. For on the day he was shot dead, a new studio opened in another L.A. neighborhood, a neighborhood called Hollywood. Boggs was dead and gone. California was looking to the future. Boggs shows us that the land of the new beginning, a place where you go to live the dream, can just as easily be the land of the disastrous finale. 
California wants to dazzle you with its vision of the future, but it's only by excavating the past, digging up all those bodies buried behind those high walls, moving among those ghosts, that we'll find out the facts, the whole truth. Come with me. The people who come to California are brave. This is a high-risk, high-reward state. There is going to be a lot of roadkill. People are going to get hurt. People are going to get steamrollered. But in the end, you have some people who are going to succeed. Next time, the godlike figure who brought water to the desert, the man who made L.A. possible, William Mulholland. The Californian Century is narrated by me, Stanley Tucci. The academic consultant is Dr. Ian Scott of Manchester University. Sound is by John Boland, and the editor is Philip Sellers. Sources for this episode include California by Kevin Starr and Colonel Selig by Andrew Erish. It's a BBC Radio Documentaries unit production for BBC Radio 4. The series is written and produced by Lawrence Grissel. Henry Akeley disappeared from his home on the edge of Rendlesham Forest somewhere around the end of June 2019. They come every night now. The police don't believe me. Please, I just need you to get in touch. What we uncovered is a mystery that has sent us deep into England's past. To an area steeped in witchcraft, the occult, secret government operations. Now we have multiple sites of five lights with a similar shape Robert. And something that might indeed be altogether otherworldly. <laughs> this is The Whisperer in Darkness. Available now on BBC Sounds.